Hello, welcome to She Addle on Tap. I am Courtney Jacobson. And I am Ashley Toten. Howdy, howdy. Hello. <laughs> How's it going? Uh, pretty good. I, per usual, can't help myself and start drinking early. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I've just been trying to keep busy. Mm -hmm. uh, I was telling you that I've been making, I, well, I make soap anyway, but I've been making soap to like trade with people or their homemade slash homegrown things. So it's kind of what I've been doing this week. I have a few bars actually behind my computer that are curing right now because I need to take them. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah, I've been doing a little of the same just because... Oh, I'm throwing shit over here. It's fine. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> Don't spill your beer everywhere. <laughs> I spilled it off my nose somehow. Oh, that, that is talent. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. nobody can hear me silently laughing over here because I can hear it by now. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Um, what I'm having over there. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt with my. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not that exciting, but I was going to say I made some granola and gave some out kind of in the same spirit of, you know, giving to those that give me stuff. Yeah. Sharing amongst neighbors kind of thing. I'm all about it. Yeah. I love doing it. It's like that. Uh, post-apocalyptic kind of style of living. <laughs> oh, yeah. Getting back to the old school shit. Yeah, there you go. I mean, we talk about all the old school shit, so we might as well live about it too. <laughs> True. Yeah, I understand that Gordon is uh, shaking you down for the, the goods because he wants me to make bread. So yeah. I might be making y'all bread soon. <laughs> I, I would appreciate that. We... <laughs> what was it there was a while back we were talking about like if you could have this or this what would you have and i think anyway it came down to like basically bread is his favorite thing in the world <laughs> it's pretty versatile it was like if you could have this or bread what would it be bread and then, okay, well, what about this or bread? Basically, it was just all answers bread. <laughs> I think a fun game to play with our listeners, like, and, and I'm going to just ask you now because now I'm doing it. Um, if you had to eat three, only three things for the rest of your life, and Ooh. you had to eat three things, what would they be? Obviously, one is tacos. If you know me, <laughs> you know that's a given. Um, and I'm talking eat, not drink. In this world, there's oodles of alcohol and beer and water and whatever. I'm a fan of this world. <laughs> <laughs> but you can only eat three things. Oh, man. Okay. Tacos. Ooh, probably sandwiches because you and I have had this conversation before where a sandwich can be so many different things. So sandwiches. That's kind of like a cheater answer. Um, man. I would say seafood, but I feel like that's cheating for real because it's like a, such a broad answer. Mm, salmon, maybe. Yeah, I dig salmon a bunch. 
I could eat salmon. There's so many ways to eat it. And yeah. Assuming I had access to salt, pepper, soy sauce, whatever. Yeah, that was the I other could thing. Eat, like beans, rice, and eggs every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I say that now, but <laughs> I might not be that happy about it later. But I think that would be fine. I'm not really a fan of eggs, but yeah, beans and rice for sure. And we've talked about that. I have like, I can't not eat eggs. Like they're, I was a vegetarian for a long fucking time and mm -hmm. only like, I could not not eat eggs. I just yeah. couldn't do it. I love them too much. Well, if we were stuck on a deserted island, you could have all my eggs. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I think I told you when my niece was born, I was so excited because my grandmother used to make um, soft boiled eggs for me for breakfast. And I was like, I'm so excited to share that magic with my niece. And she has oh. a like EpiPen status fucking oh. egg allergy. Oh, I feel so bad for her. She's not like suffering by any means, but. Right, but it takes a lot of things out of your diet for sure. Well, as like my sister trying to, make toddler snacks i'm like it would have been great if she could have a hard boiled egg or scrambled eggs like that's yeah. so easy to whip it really it. it's a great way to sneak vegetables into your kid's diet too uh -huh. except some veggie scrambled eggs yeah <laughs> i had that for breakfast nice <laughs> um what did you have for for beer for today or for like am i keeping track of the week or just today <laughs> I, it's my really terrible at attempt at a transition. <laughs> you did great. I'm just a jerk. Um, <laughs> I am drinking uh, an IPA today because for a while, I don't know what was happening, but beginning when we first started the podcast, I feel like all we fucking drank was IPAs. Mm -hmm. That's very dramatic. That's not actually true, but it just seems that way. Right. And then we've been through a while of drinking no IPAs, and then we've been having a mix, but mm -hmm. I just felt like an IPA. So I am drinking White Bluffs Brewing, which is in Richland, Washington, um, the Nectar of the Gods IPA, which I think a lot of folks just call Nog. Um, it is 6.8% ABV. It's pretty hazy, um, but it doesn't taste like a fruit juice bomb. Um, their description on their website says, pours a cloudy, juicy, golden with a dense head, leaving some lace work. Very delicious and complex tropical aroma, all of which I agree with. I think it's got a very nice balance of being pleasantly hoppy. Mm -hmm. um, and actually the can, I'm reading it right now, it says a mouth-watering semi-hazy IPA, which is a very good way of saying it, because it's hazy but not what you expect. Um, and it's yeah. also made with Citra, Mosaic, and Simcoe hops. Nice. So yeah, very good. Big fan. I am technically also drinking an IPA. Technically. Uh-huh. Because it's <laughs> called the Mango Reen Sorbet IPA. It's mango and tangerine. Wow. And they took the sorbet part of that way more seriously than the IB, IPA portion of it. Oh my God, words. Wow. 
You know what? Words are hard sometimes. They really <laughs> are. Um, <laughs> anywho, um, it doesn't taste like beer. I feel like I'm drinking mango juice right now. Mango and tangerine juice. It's crazy. Oh, this is from um, Energy City Brewing. They're in Batavia, Illinois. I probably said that wrong, but sorry to folks in Illinois if I said your town wrong. Also, hey, thanks for listening to us all the way in Illinois. (laughs) (laughs) High five from Seattle. Whoop, whoop. There's a lot of weird little town names over there. I mean, in the middle of the world. Aren't we one to talk though? I mean, it is hard to say pretty much all the names of the towns in Washington. (laughs) Puyallup, um, oh man, Kalamath. (laughs) What was the one I, one of our semi-recent episodes, I kept trying to say a prison, was it? Klamath? It was somewhere out on the coast that I was like, they're in the prison that I can't say. And I kept trying to say it. It was like, it's not never- Walla Walla, but no, that's yeah. way too easy. Um, I oh. mean, who knows? <laughs> there's a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, Sequ- oh, there's Sequamish and Squim that do not look the way that they sound. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho, so... Yeah, but- your beer tell me more yes this is very it's thick it's really viscous so it really is if you've ever drank a mango puree it is that consistency and it tastes really fresh like you can you can for sure taste the citrus in it um, and they use citra hops to really add to that citrus flavor. Um, it's technically a New England New England IPA, so maybe that's also part of the, you know, really, you cannot see through this. This is just straight up. Yeah. But it's so good. <laughs> I'm gonna, it's 6.8%, so nothing real crazy but you could accidentally drink this far too fast and actually I forgot what I was gonna say. Oh I was gonna say that beer yeah. looks very much like a beer if you were to go to like a gym or whatever and smuggle one in your bag. You oh yeah. you're having like a at post workout smoothie and nobody would sure yeah. <laughs> I was looking at it and I was like, hmm. (laughs) For those times, you just need to sneak a beer into the gym. (laughs) Just bump to that. (laughs) So I think we decided you are going first today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why don't you tell me a story? (laughs) Here's a story about a lovely lady. (laughs) Kidding, I'm not gonna do that. Bringing it all the way back to what I was talking about earlier before we started recording. (laughs) And that's how we, I'm just kidding. Okay, I'm gonna stop now. Um, I mean, I could listen. (laughs) So I had another 
moment the other night um, that I realized that I have not told a story yet about something that I feel like everybody has heard about. Mm. And we know like the rumored story of, but we don't really know the whole spiel. At least I didn't. Right. Um, and because we are a true crime and history podcast, mm. I decided to hit two birds with one stone. Nice. So today I am telling the story of Elizabeth Battery from Hungary. I don't know this one. What? Oh my God. I'm so excited. Okay. The story of Elizabeth Battery is shocking and unbelievable. Uh, so <laughs> do you want me to read in that voice? <laughs> However, I... I think maybe my brain, my memory was just going slow. Okay, keep going. Did you? Yeah, I, might, you, yeah. I, might oh, I get it now already. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was the voice that did it mm -hmm. for you. I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> I just need that for a memory jog and then. <laughs> um, so Elizabeth Battery was a Hungarian noblewoman whose privilege, mm -hmm. which is a very big word we're using a lot now, this is a perfect example. Uh, uh, privilege and potential vanity would lead her down a very dark and morbid path. She was known as the Blood Countess at some point in her life, but she was born on the 7th of August of 1560, which by the by, when I started reading this, I was like, 1560? Huh, I don't know why I thought it would have been sooner than that. Like I didn't realize you it was so far back. Yeah, you just don't hear a lot of, I mean, because we live in a country that's so young, so all the history stuff we tend to hear about is not that far back. It really is not. Yeah. Uh, we're just babies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so she was born in 1560 to Baron George Battery. Uh, he was the sixth, actually. George Battery, the sixth. Well, well. Uh, and Baroness Anna Battery. Elizabeth spent most of her childhood, so I had to write out phonetically because I don't speak Romanian amongst many other languages. Dang uh, it. Romanian, Hungarian, or Slavic for that matter. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the castle she grew up in her family estate was the Exet Castle, I believe is how you pronounce it. Hmm. Please correct me if I'm incorrect. Uh, Elizabeth suffered from epilepsy as a child and it was suggested that this may have actually resulted because both of her parents were severely inbred, Ooh. which makes a lot of sense. Royal families were marrying within royal families. Within oh, yeah. Royal families within blah, blah, blah. You know. And you know the thing. Crazy just kept getting crazier. No good. <laughs> and fun fact, back in these times, epilepsy, obviously, there weren't like brain surgeons and shit back then that were like formally trained like they are now. So epilepsy at the time was known as the falling sickness and was generally cured by smearing the blood of a person who did not suffer from falling sickness on the lips of the sick person or Ew. feeding the blood of a healthy person to the sufferer of falling sickness. No, thank you. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, thank you. Ew. Uh, Elizabeth was an insanely intelligent woman. As a young lady, she learned to speak Latin, German, Hungarian, and Greek, and was fluent in both speaking and writing all of those languages. Dang. 
likely, again, this was probably due to the level of wealth and privilege she grew up in so that her family could actually afford that sort of an education because, to be honest, back then, they were not educating women a bunch. Yeah. Uh, at the age of 10 years old, she was engaged to marry a 16-year-old boy oh. named Bernard Na... Hold on. <laughs> Nadasti? I think that's how you say his last name. Uh, who was the son of yet another baron that locally, uh, it was believed that that was probably, their marriage was probably a political arrangement. Like they definitely weren't, there was not a 10 year old and a 16 year old that fell in love. So that's definitely not the situation. Well, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Little Miss Elizabeth, like, knowing that her social status uh, was a lot higher up than her husband's, because she was pretty hot shit. She, I didn't bother writing out all the people she's related to, but Basically, anyone of importance in Eastern Europe at the time, she was directly related to them. So, you know, but knowing that and her being a little like, uh, I'm better than you, yeah. I'm better educated than you, she decided to not take her husband's name, which was like, it's kind well. of taboo. But instead, after they got married on May 18th, 1578, he assumed her last name. So he just tagged it on to the end of his, which I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Um, which probably really pissed his family off too, because you just don't <laughs> do that. Right. Um, at the time of their marriage, Elizabeth was now 15 years old and her husband was 19. So they were fucking babies still. Mm -hmm. uh, as a present to her, her husband uh, passed along and family castles. Long story short, his mom bought him a, a property, which I, again, don't speak Hungarian. I think that it is Castle Sese is how you say the name. I may be saying it wrong. Probably am. I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> I'm probably always saying things wrong. Um, <laughs> which actually now is called something different because that, you know, maps have changed, but it's now in Slovakia and in Slavic it's pronounced Ashtis, I believe is how you say their name. Um, so totally different name now. Um, so this wasn't just like a house. This was a fucking 13th century friggin' castle, <laughs> a shit ton of property, and also included uh, 17 adjacent villages that they would be governing. <laughs> and he just gave it to her. He was like, it's yours. Oh, okay. And I mean, they were married and whether he took, you know, who took whose name doesn't really matter. He was technically still the ruler of those because well, yeah, he was the man. That situation. But that was his wedding present to her. Yeah. During their earlier years of marriage, it was rumored that Elizabeth had an affair with a man of lower class, which I couldn't, um, through research, couldn't find a specific answer if it was a servant or just another noble guy. Like they didn't really mention that. Right. Yeah. But apparently she became pregnant. Oopsie. And yeah. Uh, and this is like the first year or two they were married. Um, and she gave birth to the baby, which was a girl. Um, but she was forced by her husband to give the child up. And apparently her lover was also tortured and killed. Uh, researchers have not been able to track down the whereabouts or any confirmation about this kid, which makes me think that he probably also had the baby killed. Mm -hmm. Just a thought. Well, maybe they like whisked her away to some little villa and she lived out her life not even knowing exactly who she was. Maybe, 
but when I tell you more, you might be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> think of the happy things. Oh, <laughs> oh man. So in 19, 19, nope, 1578. <laughs> nope. Uh, <laughs> a long time. <laughs> I've only had half a beer for the record. So <laughs> maybe that's the problem. Um, in 1578, Hornick became the chief commander of the Hungarian troops, uh, and he ended up having to leave his wife pretty regularly to go to war. Um, and during that time, she was put in charge of all their business affairs and managing the estate and governing the people. Mm -hmm. A few accounts of Fernick um, have suggested that he was a very cruel soldier. Some of the rumors of his practices at war were that he would disembowel enemies, impale them, kick around their severed heads like he was playing a game, and even picking up and dancing with their corpses. Neat. So yeah. crazy. Cuckoo. Uh, <laughs> during the Long Turkish War, which was between 1593 and 1606, which is, he was fighting that war, obviously. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth um, was put in charge of everything, but she became like very fiercely known for protecting her villages. And some of the ways she did that was stepping in. And on occasion, she would step in because you know, we've all watched movies and they rape and pillage and do all these horrible fucking things during war when the husbands are away. Yeah. And a few times there was peasant women that were being attempted to be abducted or killed or their, their daughters were being kidnapped. And she intervened on multiple occasions and were like, motherfucker, this is my village. You yeah. Can take my people. Yeah. Um, and she, you know, was a very high up noble woman. So they're not gonna, some random soldier's not gonna kill her because then that's a big fucking thing. Yeah. Um, and they were unfortunately on the like main path into Vienna. So it was like, oh. constant. like she was constantly having to be like, no, you can't kidnap my people. Like she was getting hit, <laughs> uh, which is sort of ironic. Um, between the years of 1585 and 1598, Elizabeth and Fernick would have four children, all of whom were raised entirely by governesses. She had like no part in her kids' upbringing. She basically was like, I popped him out. You have, you know, people that are going to take over the throne, um, heirs. That's was the word I was looking for. You carried it for nine months. Her job is done. Yeah, done. I made this. You deal with it. People could have all like boo like hand movement of like whoop <laughs> uh, in before her husband passed away um and from there's no like i mean again there was not like a formal medical manuscript to look at yeah it, it was said that he died of some disease while at war but he had a previously, up to that point, had started have suffering of, quote, a disease of the lower body, like lower limbs, which... Gout. Well, it could have been, like, gangrene from an injury that didn't heal right. He could have had fucking diabetes and yeah. was, like, losing limbs, you know? And they didn't know what the fuck that was back then, so... Yeah. Um, but around the time of his death, Elizabeth's reputation took a very dramatic turn. 
Elizabeth was known for calling upon her young female servants and then would started, had started at this point tying them up specifically for the purpose of torturing them. Hmm. It was reported that she would jam needles under their fingernails, <gasps> smear their naked bodies in honey, and let insects attack them. Oh. During the colder months, she would force the naked young women to walk into ice baths and let them freeze to death. Oh. Witnesses would also say that Elizabeth seemed to truly enjoy taking scissors to her victims. She oh. used to use them to cut parts off of them. But she also, apparently, one of the like, more common things that came up was that she thought it was just fucking great to snip the skin in between their fingers. Ugh. Yes, that almost made me barf when I read it. Oh, God. During oh. the time this was happening, Elizabeth, who was one of the most prominent noblewomen in the area, had started having the daughters of less affluent families come to her home to receive etiquette lessons. Oh. Um, I think that some of the like lower noble people were like, you know, she's a widow now. She needs a distraction. She's mm -hmm. high class. She's well-educated. We'll send our kids to her. <laughs> so essentially they wanted their kids to learn how to behave as women, right? Yeah. Um, and they had no fucking idea what the hell they were sending their kids into. Ugh. Most serial killers do. Elizabeth found herself dissatisfied with the level of torture and killing that she was able to commit because, I mean, there's only so many fucking servants in your house that you can yeah. torture and kill. Um, and so with the help of four accomplices, which were other staff members in her home, uh, Elizabeth began abducting young women from the surrounding villages, most of whom were peasant girls, but some of them were the daughters of the families that she was supposed to be teaching. Oh. Once she captured her potential victim, her method of torture would range from biting at them. More specifically, she would be biting at like their faces, their arms, like biting chunks off of them. Oh my God. And also their breasts. Uh, also, in some of the cases, she would burn them in various areas of their bodies, including their genitals. And due to the nature of some of those injuries that she, you know, put upon women during the attacks, it was suggested by some experts that have looked over her case over the years that she actually may have like sexually gotten off on it. Yeah. Like it may have been a sexually motivated crime. Mm. Um, she also, in one reported case, forgot, or I'm sorry, forced one of her victims to cut off and then cook and eat her own flesh in front of her. No. Mm -mm. Not cool. But most famously, it is suggested that Elizabeth was attempting to use witchcraft to maintain her youth. Uh, Elizabeth's few remaining servants reported to have seen her bathing in blood of young women, which I think is what most people have heard about this story, but yeah. it's actually the only thing that was not documented at the time. Um, so it may have been like a detail thrown in later for the sake of folklore, but honestly, I wouldn't be fucking surprised either way. Like, yeah. to the level of other abuses she was committing, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, none of her crimes were ever looked into despite like constant complaints because Elizabeth was directly related to a lot of the local government. Mm -hmm. So they're not about to throw their cousin, niece, whatever under the bus, you know, again with the privilege. Yeah. And it, it would bring shame to the family name or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so by the time the king had started getting overwhelming complaints and rumors, uh, 
and I, I'm sorry, I keep wanting to say 19. It's not real, you guys. It's the 1600s. Uh, in 1610, he would send an investigator out uh, to check in and see what the fuck was going on. And, and again, this is rumored and not verified. It was said that when he arrived to her home, she was in the process of torturing one young woman and that there was also the body of another girl dead nearby in a courtyard. Ugh. And I watched the documentary this morning, actually, because I was like, I need more info. Yeah. I just want to know more. Uh, in that documentary, it was suggested that Elizabeth may have just been misunderstood. She may have actually been a healer and been trying to use ancient practices to cure young women of their ailments. And my notes on that, I wrote, if that were the case, based on the other information we have, she would have been as much of a healer as somebody else we've covered. Linda fucking Hazard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you ain't healing, girl. You're killing. Uh, so in January of 1611, uh, Elizabeth and four of her accomplices were put uh, finally on trial for 80 counts of murder. All of them were convicted, and her accomplices were sentenced to death but they had a little bit more planned for Elizabeth. Elizabeth was sentenced to life confinement in a small room in her castle. The room was completely bricked in, except for like all the windows, everything. There was no sunlight, nothing. Uh, except for slats in the walls and things to slide food in and allow airflow. Mm -hmm. uh, she only lived for four years in those conditions. Um, I, I mean, and <laughs> one of the guards reported that she came out, like came to the, you know, one of the little slats and was begging for him to bring her blankets and whatever. And she kept saying, I'm so cold. And he was like, go to sleep. Yeah. You're fine. Go to sleep. And I also just wanted to point out that if that was her living situation, there's no way to remove waste. Yeah. I was just thinking about that because of the Oh, what was the one French girl? Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. We just, that I did semi read well, a while ago, I guess, yeah. technically. <laughs> it seems like just yesterday. But it's not. <laughs> um, what was her name? Blanche Monnier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Blanche. Uh, something or other? Blanche? Frenchie Magoo? I don't remember. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it was Monnier, but I probably am wrong. Anyway. Uh, anyway, the guard told her to piss off and go to sleep, and she died. So, while reading about her death, uh, multiple sources said that Elizabeth passed away in late August, hmm. um, but all of them also said she wasn't buried until November, and I was like, so why? <laughs> why, why did it take so long? What happened? Yeah. Um, but also apparently all the locals were so offended uh, that they would even think to bury her in the city that she fucking tortured all the daughters of. Okay. They made them dig her ass up and take her somewhere else. And so they had to take <laughs> her back to where she was born. Um, yeah. So, but ironically, so that happened, but then they were like, I, it's listed that her, the actual place of her body is unknown. So I'm wondering if they ended up burying her like in an unmarked grave due to her crimes. They were like, her grave's going to constantly be vandalized, so we have to put it somewhere nobody right, knows. Yeah. Another fun fact, 
it was suggested that Elizabeth may have already been torturing and potentially murdering while her husband was still alive. In fact, there was a rumor that her husband actually built her a torture chamber. And assuming that was true, that would leave room for the possibility of either A, that until her husband's death, she didn't feel like she could fully let her crazy out, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Or B, they the possibility it. that she was actually committing these crimes with her husband I and mean, that she yeah. continued killing after his death but had to rely on servants to do it and then got caught. Well, yeah, since he had that reputation of how he fought, maybe it was something that came naturally that he was used to doing. Um, lastly, it was also said during her trial that uh, the total number of victims actually may have been over 600. And that was based on um, a book that was seen by a servant that apparently she used to record all her victims in. Oh. Conveniently, that book was never recovered at her residence. And I have a feeling that there's a lot of other information and evidence that was, quote, disappeared. Right. Uh, due to her political status. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a few mentions that rather than having her killed, which is normally how they would deal with that shit back in the day, they would just kill you. There was no, yeah, you know, they just wanted to have a fucking, you know, courtyard display of fucking, ugh, gross. Anyway. Hang, public hanging so that everybody knew not to do it. And yada, yada, yeah. Um, but... I saw a few mentions that rather than having that happen, they gave her house arrest, and that was probably based on yet another political agreement. Um, it was essentially implied that if she had been executed, all of her property would have become property of the king or the king's estate mm-hmm. because there wasn't like a will or whatever. Um, and that from an outside perspective to like other rulers, it may have looked like that the king was falsifying information to have her killed for monetary gain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so instead of that, he allowed her to live, but under solitary confinement, during which she was able to create a will and left all of her property and estates to her children that hmm. probably didn't actually really know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Man. Yeah. yeah. That kind of sucks because you start off being like, yeah, badass woman from the 1500s. And then you're like, oh no yeah (laughs) it's fucking gnarly yeah i feel like that whole bathing in blood thing is a kind of reference to a lot of different horror movies and things like that yeah well between her and vlad the impaler right uh i think that that was like the story of dracula is loosely based on the two of combined. Man. I mean, he's known as cow drag or whatever they, I don't remember the yeah. words. Again, I don't speak Romanian, so cheers to that. Cheers to not speaking Romanian. <laughs> My friend Andre would be so disappointed. All the years we used to bake together and he would try to teach me Romanian words and they're all gone. Aww. Well, if you don't use it, you lose it. Show enough. <laughs> Speaking of losing it, I'm at a beer. Should we take a beer break? Do <laughs> you like how I just coasted us into that? Yeah, that that was a much better transition than uh, than I was attempting earlier. <laughs> oh, that's true. Speaking of breakfast, what did you have for beer? <laughs> Sorry. 
What are you going to do? Yep. <laughs> PRB dudes. All right. Okay, we're back. Oh, I'm stretching. <laughs> All right. I have second drink, which I feel like at this point, everybody knows that I'm starting to just drink two beers an episode because I'm a thirsty <laughs> girl. <laughs> um, I was really surprised though. So I was given the, this as a gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend of the bar I work for brought back some beer uh, from Santium Brewing in Oregon. And so I didn't really read the label. I just was like, oh, IPA, hooray, let's do it. I did not realize this is a traditional, more traditional, I should say, Northwest style, which folks that are not from the North Pacific Northwest probably have no fucking idea what the hell that means. Um, um, they know a lot about beer and then they probably just... Right. They know and they think we're ridiculous. It's, I mean, we're living in a world of like the hazy IPA trend, which there's nothing wrong with that per se, but right. the old school IPA is a darker color. This is like a caramel kind of color. Yeah. Verging on ruby. Yeah. Um, and it is uh, dry hopped. I was trying to look for the hops, but it does not say. Um, this is the Ecotopia IPA. It is 6.7, but it's a very bitter hopped, dry, mm-hmm. no fruit at all. Right. Very refreshing, which I was just telling Courtney before we came back from our little power break. Um, I don't always love this style. They're too bitter for me sometimes. This is not too bitter. It's like very perfectly balanced. So Santiam Brewing, you nailed it. Nice. On that note, I am so excited now that I have a new drink. To hear. <laughs> you've got up your sleeve well let me grab my notepad here get comfortable i should probably take a little sip of my my juice i mean beer and uh i'll tell you all about it (laughs) (laughs) gotta wet your whistle Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay so this one A friend of mine gave me kind of a hint about it a really long time ago, back when you and I were still kind of gathering notes and figuring out. Are we going to name this friend? Um, I will, I will hold off. Okay. I didn't know if they were like, talk about me or if they were like, for the love of God, don't do it. I just, I want to respect his anonymity. Got it. Just in case. Um, Anyway, uh, way, way back when, before we had even recorded a single episode, we were just still kind of gathering notes and figuring out how to even do a podcast, what we wanted to do. So in the phase of our relationship. Yes. We were just meeting for beers and being like, maybe we should do this. (laughs) Let's make it official. No. (laughs) Um, So the, the odd thing is I have a personal connection to this area that I'm going to talk about. So it's just one of those weird things. All right. Did you know that there is a town, we'll use that term kind of loosely because it's a really small area, um, called Home, 
in Washington. Like when you go home, you have to go home to home Washington. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It is really, really small. And it is out on the peninsula, the key peninsula. Um, basically, if you were to go over the Tacoma Narrows Bridge, go past Gig Harbor, get off I off 16 on in Purdy, and then drive for another half hour. <laughs> way the fuck out there so drive out into the woods and past the woods and through some more woods anyway um <laughs> this little area got started because three families got together and wanted to start their own little idyllic society so we're back in February of 1896. Three different families. I mean, mind you, Washington State was still kind of the wild motherfucking West back then. <laughs> um, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> we pretty much just use that term anytime we get a chance. That's <laughs> true. Um, we should probably put that on a t-shirt or something. Um, <laughs> Just my face and a Yosemite Sam mustache. <laughs> I don't want that shirt to exist. No, I don't either. Uh, okay. So these, th so, all right. February, 1896, three families, they get together uh, they pool their resources and they set off to start their own little community. They wanted to live in a place somewhere on the Puget Sound and surround themselves with people who also embraced their beliefs. Um, these beliefs were free love. So if you wanted to be monogamous, that's fine. If you wanted to switch your partner every single day, that's fine too. If you know, you wanted to have multiple partners all at once. It's all fine with them. It's your choice. You're an adult. They don't care. They didn't believe that the government or their, your society should tell you who you should love or how many. And I kind of like, all right, fine. <laughs> you yeah. know, what happens at home stays at home, guys. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Doesn't bother me. Um, they also believed in the, um, abolition of government slash ruling party. Uh, they also thought nudity was cool. Whenever. <laughs> Sun's out, one's out. That's what they always say. <laughs> um, Anyway, so they sailed around the Puget Sound. They finally came across this little area. They decided this is the perfect spot. It's on the Key Peninsula. It's rough, it was roughly 70 or more acres uh, connected to the car inlet. So if you know what any of that means, there you go. If you want to look it up on a map, there you go. Moving on. Uh, the nearest town is Lake Bay, Washington, where 
my personal connection is, um, that's where my dad used to live and where his ashes are now spread. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> it is. Um, that would be a good place for a podcast field trip, by the way. Oh Go yeah. Ahead. I could do it anytime. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, anyway, you have to drive through home to get to Lake Bay. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so once these three founding families found their little spot, they, they had to set up some guidelines for living in this community. I mean, you can't just be like, okay, we're a community moving on, you know, you're naked. (laughs) All right. I mean, even that right there is a guideline, if you will. (laughs) They had to set some sort of guidelines for living in the community. Uh, they had actually just come from a previous community called Glenis um, that failed. Uh, apparently in the late 19th century, this was a major thing. A lot of people just um, burp uh, going out and... <laughs> <laughs> they just burp. How rude. What a bunch of dicks. <laughs> People going out and trying to set up their own little community to live in their own specific ways. Okay, so this Glennis community totally failed. These people were like, well, we still really want to live in a, we want to start a community of people that, I mean, we still have these great ideas. We could totally do this. Um, And they, you know, they knew what they wanted and what they did not want based on their reference from before. They knew that they did not want to have to suffer through long, tedious meetings just to establish rules, because apparently that was a thing in Glennis. And they did not want um, one major group or person ruling everything. Um, you know, they didn't want a government that told everybody what they had to do. They wanted people to just be responsible for themselves and and take care of each other. I mean, to be yeah. honest, I'm choking on beer. Um, I also, that seems relevant nowadays too, where mm-hmm. we're dealing with beef on the police situation where the police yeah. aren't really there to like save you or necessarily really protect you. They're enforcing things in the right now. So that makes perfect sense for their community yeah. that they were like, we want to look out for each other. Yeah. We know what'll keep us safe. Although a lot of people think that it's not true, but you know. Yeah. I digress. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they just, you know, they wanted to live amongst a bunch of like-minded people that could handle their own shit, be adults, and and not have to be constantly told what's right or wrong to do in their community. Uh, so they set up a land trust called Mutual Home Association, which is where the town got its name. Now it's home. Mm-hmm. Um and this mutual home association actually owned all the land. That's those 70 plus acres belong to the, the tr- land trust. Um, each resident would pay a dollar, which is <laughs> $31 today. Still, anyway, they'd pay $1 to earn the right to use two acres as they saw fit. Um, And then 
whatever improvements you made to that land you owned. So hmm. you did not quote unquote own the those two acres. You just kind of were allowed you kind of had a stake in the claim that was kind of your whatever. Um, but if you built a barn, if you built a store, if you grew something, you owned all that stuff. Got it. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't have to deal with all the taxes or whatever. That's cool. That's all run by the trust. Kind of neat. Yeah, that's kind of neat. Actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then, like I said, the home, that's yours. If you build it, if you run a store, that's, that is yours. You, um, okay, so aside from that, there were no governing rules. There was no, like, any home has to be so big and leave, you know, it, there was no, no other rules. Like, you can't do this, you can't do that, none of it. Um, so after setting all this up, the founders realized that they basically just defined anarchism. Um, and because we are who we are, here's the definition of anarchism. The belief in abolition of all government and the organization of society on a voluntary cooperative basis without recourse to force or compulsion. So there's no, like, somebody saying you can or can't do a thing and risk of going to jail or being fined or any of that shit. It's just, we're all going to cooperate and live in a community. We agree to it. Cool. Moving on. I see you've got, you've got a, uh, a buddy in your lap now. Uh, yeah, collected a goblin. He was staring at me longingly, like, please love me while Courtney tells the story. <laughs> okay. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> so when they started reaching out in order to gain new members of the community, um, they, they advertised it as home, the utopian anarchist community. And, you know, much like now, if you say that something is anarchy or anarchism, most people think of it as chaos or violent that was the case then too. <laughs> um, so the fact that they were like, hey, come live in our anarchist community, um, which was very against <laughs> any type of violence. Um, anyway, it ruffled a bunch of feathers. People were like, uh, no, that's not cool. In fact, now that you're telling me that you're doing that, I don't like that you're even there. I don't want you to exist. Weird. People hate things they don't understand. Hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, so <laughs> essentially, like I said, I mean, they, these founders were very much against any type of violence or chaos or whatever. They were just trying to live in a peaceful community. Um, and like everything I read this to me sounds like the precursor to the 1970s or 60s hippie commune movement. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. So I'm kind of wondering, is that going to happen pretty soon? Because I'd like to sign up because <laughs> you know how things just kind of keep happening over and over in history? Like, 
I'm down to live in a hippie com commune at this point. <laughs> I'm just dangling about that. I'm like, maybe we should just buy some property and build some, because I don't need a mansion, just build a small house and have property and then have another house and another house and just have yeah. people leave. You know, Blix, I can't see Courtney now. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Blix. He just really <laughs> wants some attention. I know. He's just got his face right up in the camera. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> um, anyway, we've talked about that and that it would be nice to have folks we also cared about a lot, having a small community that we're all close enough that if something were to happen, we're all close enough to help, mm -hmm. but be able to pitch it kind of like we've been doing, yeah. creating hope for bread and produce and granola, whatever, you know. Coffee beans and... Oh man, I'm real into it. Beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Storytelling. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, so on top of the very large misunderstanding of what their way of life even was, um, and, you know, causing that to ruffle some feather, or that causing feathers ruffled, there was this guy uh, named Leon... I'm going to say this wrong. I'm sorry. I never pronounce things wrong, so you can be embarrassed. I'm just kidding. Leon Chalgos? Anyway, moving on. He, uh, he just, you know, he was kind of a shitty guy. He went and assassinated President William McKinley in 1901. Yeah. He claimed that he was an anarchist. Um, there's a lot of debate on this because of course way later in in time people have learned more about mental issues and they realize maybe this guy was not an anarchist he was just needing some medication yeah um <laughs> not yeah. full deck yeah so because of this guy this leon Cholgos, or however that is I mean, I went on YouTube where you can listen to pronunciations of things, and that's pretty much what it sounded like, but there was a heavy accent, so maybe? Anyway, um, anyway, this guy was not any part of the home community. He lived in, like, the northeast somewhere, um, the northeast of the U.S., not Washington. <laughs> um so very much not a part of this community, but because of that guy saying I'm an anarchist or whatever, um, people in the Tacoma area looked at the home residents as attached to this guy. And so they wanted to do what they could to make them go away. Um, so 10 days after this McKinley assassination, the U.S. Postal Inspector, Confucius Wayland, which sidebar i even until recently i didn't realize that the u.s post office also had the ability to arrest people but we all have learned that lately so this is kind of funny anyway um this guy served warrants to a few of the people in home washington for the crime of quote writing publishing and mailing certain lewd obscene and lascivious lascivious material what was the guy's name <laughs> confucius wayland that is my new metal band 
<laughs> Thank you. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, either one, either one of those names alone is just kind of an epic name. But it's like, I'm sorry. I think I misheard. <laughs> you sure didn't. I sure didn't. Miss Wayland. He was an asshole. <laughs> um, it's funny too because like he's gonna arrest people for writing stuff. <gasps> no. So they ran a couple newspapers out of this community because they were kind of free thinkers and they were a lot more forward thinking for their time. And a lot of people that are forward thinking write about it. Yep. Because they're smart. Anyway, <laughs> apparently when two of the home residents wrote an article in their own newspaper about how free love is a great thing and monogamy is kind of a bullshit construct, this was not okay at the time. <laughs> so they went to court and the judge after, so the first part of the day in court, they listened to this Confucius guy's diatribe about how these people are terrible, about how they wrote all this stuff, how it's going to tear down society and how they're ruining the world, blah, 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 for hours. They go to recess slash lunch. The judge reads the article in question. Then they come back and the judge is like, nah. This is just some opinions, and that's fine. People can yeah. write their opinions. I this mean, somebody can write a note that's like, I eat my own boogers. Yeah. You, I mean, you can be grossed out, but you can't arrest them for that. I mean, you <laughs> and I talk about some crazy shit every week, and it's way worse than people should be allowed to be in love with or just get fun and funky with whoever they want. That's just not, anyway. So the judge was like, nah, dismissed. Okay, bye. <laughs> Wasting my time. Um, but good old Confucius was not even trying to let it go. He was bound to determined to make this. Ugh, Confucius be trifling. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> So he handed out another warrant to some people um, in this home community, this time to specifically a, a female resident, um, this time for also writing an article. And this lady had the nerve to write about how women should be equal. Oh, that and bitch. you believe the gall. <laughs> also, people thought she might have been a witch because she wore black a lot. As Thank you and I are both wearing all black right now. <laughs> it's like, that's all right. <laughs> and I just, once again, I'm reminded that I'm really glad I did not grow up in this time. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have made it very long, I think. <laughs> because she ended up 
being charged with this and had to pay a hundred dollar fine. Yeah. Cause she was a woman and nobody gave a shit about women. How dare you write about women and how we should be able to. Women do don't have same shit as men. <laughs> All right. So in 1903, Washington state passed a law against two different things. They said that buildings and gathering places were not to be used for anarchist gatherings. And they also said that certain things should not be written or mailed that could um, spur government unrest. So this is essentially where the anarchy term took a really big turn for the worse because people, yeah, they didn't believe that one big body should tell everybody else what to do. One big group of people should tell everyone how to live their lives, which, you know, is against this law. So essentially Washington state said it's against the law to be an anarchist or write about it. Um, but it took until 1911 for it to really get to the community. And um, at this point, um, a gentleman, somehow I didn't write it down, never mind. Um, a guy had moved into the area in 1910 and started another paper. And he wrote an article called, that was titled, the nudes and the prudes. <laughs> Classic. And it basically just was telling a story about something that had happened in home, in the community, where a few of the people had gone skinny dipping because it was a really, really hot summer. And in this community, being nude was not a problem. But a few people had started moving into the community that did not like nudity. And so a little bit of an issue happened. Some of those people reported the skinny dippers to um, another, like basically like a neighboring, like Tacoma, essentially. Um, and it became a big ordeal. And once the um, article went out, it was against this whole law that was passed in 1903 about anything that could spur, you know, people not wanting to, basically anything anti-government. Anyway, so by 1980, you know, a bunch of people left, a bunch of people were feuding, and by 1918, there was almost no one in this community anymore. It pretty much just fizzled out just a tiny handful of holdouts that were like, we're still gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> and to this day, if you go through home Washington, you can very easily miss it. <laughs> it's this tiny strip of road. It's just one and eight guys, but <laughs> like you drive and drive and drive and then all of a sudden, oh there's a post office. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> There's a gas station, a mini mart, and a post office, and that's it. 
and a bridge that's when it's high tide it's really fun to jump off of we did that a lot do we know what the current population is it's like 1200 the smallest town i've ever been to which i was 17 when i went there mm -hmm. and i still to this day i'm like i could retire there the population <laughs> was 18 <gasps> wow and it's a town called harmony Cool. on the coast of California, central California. Okay. Um, they, yeah, they have a glass blowing shop, a winery, a post office, like a random other store, but they're close enough to like San Luis Obispo. And I feel like there's another like Ventura, maybe they're close enough to both of those that you can get to either work. Go get place. all your goods and then come back home and not be bothered. I mean, sign me up. Overlooked. So that's where we're going to start our hippie commune. Oh yeah. And it's like wine area kind of like it's kind of got some of that going on. So first mm -hmm. castle is real close. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> so yeah, that um it's just funny. Like that was my I mean, if you don't know me, don't know that I had I grew up basically two households. I was the kid from the other marriage in both households. Um, parents split up when I was three, remarried, blah, blah, blah. So I spent summers at my dad's house and then, you know, the old like here for this week, here for that week, blah, blah, blah. So a lot of summers were spent out in Lake Bay and home and all that whole area just playing in the water and that's so kids. Great. <laughs> yeah I mean it's kind of funny I was I guess technically one of those kids too my I mean we have a stepbrother and a half brother uh stepbrothers four years older half brothers four years younger than my four years younger sister yeah um, we're all like four years apart basically um but I was the oldest of the biological children mm -hmm. um and our parents got divorced when I was about four um so Haley was like nine months old or something yeah um, but we did the same thing, except that um, my we moved back to Orange County, where my mom my mom was like born and raised, and well, not that's not entirely true. She was raised and like grew up in Huntington Beach, California. Gotcha. But we, I, my sister and I were both born in Washington. Mm -hmm. We moved back down there with my mom and dad. My parents very soon after got divorced, but then the remainder of my childhood was mostly with my mom, some weekends with my dad, but every mm -hmm. summer we got shipped up to my grandparents, my dad's parents in Kent, Washington. So I grew up like very familiar with like, honestly, West Seattle, yeah. area, like, you know, King County area. Um, but the rest of the time was Orange County. So when I moved here, I already kind of knew where some stuff was. I just didn't know anybody. Right. Yeah, like, I didn't really make friends when I was here in the summer. Well, I was yeah, it's hard. Everybody's got friends already. And yeah, it was like me and my cousins, basically. That mm -hmm. was it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the oldest only child. <laughs> I'm the only kid from both my parents, but then they had other kids. So like my longest running, I guess, sibling. <laughs> That's the living. Know, it's the weirdest. <laughs> Still going strong. 
She's not threatening you guys, I promise. <laughs> so my stepbrother has been my sibling longer than any of my blood-related siblings. And then he and I share a half-sister, my little sister, and then from my mom, totally unrelated to them, um, my mom and stepdad had a son who's 10 years younger than I am. <laughs> yeah, that's where, um, when my dad and mom got divorced, like, I feel like right away, my dad started dating somebody else, which mm -hmm. we believe they were probably dating before they got divorced, but we're not going to get My dad started right away. Yeah. Most dads, at least at that time, couldn't be alone. But yeah, she, that woman, um, I won't name anybody's names because I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Who wants to be there? Whatever, but um, she already had a son who was, I was four, so he was about eight years old when we met. Yeah. And we were really close. And then when their marriage inevitably fell apart for very good reason, <laughs> um, he was already like a young, like young adult. Okay. And so he's never really, I mean, I, I saw him one time before I moved to Seattle Mm -hmm. And he had had two children and was married and whatever, but we both seemed pretty okay with like, I'm going to live my life and you're going to live. Yeah. Your we're not life. like fully we're attached to each other. Like, like if we run yeah. into each other, we're like, Oh my God. Hey, but yeah. We talked to him like 17 years or something. Yeah. Um, but we share a half sibling who is my youngest brother slash my sister's youngest brother, obviously. Yeah. And he's 10 years, about 10 years younger than me. And I barely, I don't even know him really, but. Um, it's weird to like think like, oh, weird. I have a little brother that nobody knows I have. Nobody knows my sister. She followed yeah. me to Seattle. So everybody knows her. I uh, met your sister before I met you. That doesn't surprise me that much. Yeah. Yeah. She's more of a like party kid or was, I mean, she's a kid now and whatever, but she's right. cooled her jets. The pandemic helped. Yeah. <laughs> can't go anywhere. Yeah. Crazy, crazy families. Mm -hmm. And then my, my poor husband who his parents were both only children and they stayed together forever, you know, literally till death. And like his mom's still alive, but his dad is not. And, um, and it was just, so it was just the, them and his brother and his one grandparent. So oh. then the poor guy marries me and he's like, wait, so your stepbrother is my cousin? I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on now. <laughs> Where I'm over here like, so my stepmom used to have a stepmom. So I had a step-step grandma and. <laughs> well, same dude. My dad remarried. <laughs> uh, well. He didn't marry, but he had like three major relationships. And in both of those situations, I acquired grandparents. Mm -hmm. My mom was married twice, so I acquired grandparents in that. Some grandparents got divorced and married other people, so I acquired grandparents in that way. Yep. So my family seemed very large. Yeah. Which is weird because now it's like, it's me and my sister. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. That's not funny. But yeah. it is it's just weird. Yep. Well, 
now that we've given our family treat lesson on us. <laughs> oh man. Um, I think we could close out our tab. Uh, before we do that, I want to talk more about meat. No, I'm just kidding. I actually wanted to bring up, we have been making jokes, but we want to make you guys participate. This is an interactive experience, you guys. Yeah, so if you're still listening, <laughs> if you're still listening. you get rewarded with a game. <laughs> so we are proposing that the new game be that whenever you hear a siren, a burp I, interruption, mm -hmm. a burp, Mm -hmm. A Layla interruption. Yes. Which hasn't happened for quite a while. No. Uh, then you have to take a drink. And this, we might add on to that. You guys are welcome to email or message us or whatever, however you feel like contacting us, suggesting mm -hmm. another component to the drinking game. But we want to make a drinking game. <laughs> this is happening. And, oh, the other one was Gordon makes fun of us for saying <laughs> something situation where like the word situation. Throwing, <laughs> using that word to describe whatever's happening. What's, you know, what's the phone situation? What's it's the, an anarchy situation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we apparently say it a lot. So <laughs> that's part of the drinking game too. Yes. Um, we can call that the shower thought, if you will. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> so on that note, after our drinking game situation, Yes. It has concluded. <laughs> Until yeah. next Monday, drink good local beer. And please tip your fucking bartenders. <laughs> Goodbye. Doodles. For more information, we can be found on Instagram at Seattle underscore on underscore tap. Email at Seattle on tap at gmail.com or our website, Seattle on you can also like us on Facebook and all of the Seattle on tap original music is provided by bubble bathism, courtesy of the subterranot recording collective. <laughs>